Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. It'd be nice to be able to hold my drink on a shelf. <laughs> okay, here we go. This is so awkward, guys. <laughs> Pull it. Okay. I was like, no, I don't want to use that. I don't want to sneeze. It's going to be weird. Transferring it. And you know what? I was right. <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> okay, let's get it hooked in. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I should have just used the handheld mic. Okay. Um, let's see. So, a little bit about myself. I actually preached for the first time when I was 13 years old. And I'm so thankful for a woman of God who was like, yeah, you'll do. I was, no one wanted to invest in me as a child because I was the worst. And I'm very well aware of that. (laughs) Um, But this lady did, and I'm so thankful for it. And um, so thankful for the godly leadership that I have in my life, um, including my brother for giving me this opportunity. Um, so for those of you who don't know, like worship is my, I don't know, I guess it's just like my favorite. Like I love to worship and I've always loved to worship. And um, yeah, so we're going to talk about worship today. Uh, before we get into this, let's go ahead and pray. Ask the Lord to have his way. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity today. I thank you for your presence that is already in this place. Lord, I pray that you would manifest your power in this place, that you would do what you want to do, God, whatever your intention for this service is. God, I pray that your will would come to fruition and that you would use me as a vessel for your power and for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo, okay, so we are going to look at, this is like really hot, okay. We're going to look at Psalms chapter 24. Okay, so Zach kind of started touching on some things. That's why I was like, watch yourself, because you're going to preach my message. (laughs) So, um, yes, Psalms. Psalms is like, David is like high highs. Oh, my God. High highs and low lows. Like, (laughs) David is like, oh, oh, glory be to God. My life is going perfect. And then the next day. He's like in a cave somewhere like, God, let me die. Take my life now. And it's like, whoa, David, like, are you okay? I still wonder that sometimes. David was really just like having good days and bad days, like to the extreme. So um, I was preparing for this and I was like, which chapter of Psalm should I use? I could literally use just about any of them because even when David was having a bad day, he would conclude his prayer by saying, all glory be to God, or, you know, all power is given to God, things like that. And so even on his best days and his worst days, he was still assured of where the power lied and where it rested. And it was all in God, and it was only by God's grace that he was going to be able to make it through the day. So I settled on Psalms 24, which is one of my favorite chapters. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read that. If you want to follow along, you can. You don't have to. 
Um, okay, Psalms 24, it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation that seek this is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob Selah. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. I love this chapter because it starts off by exalting God. And he's just like, oh, holy God, you are so perfect. There is none worthy to even be in your presence. And we, to this day, are, have still not figured out how to be worthy enough to be in the presence of God. He is so merciful and so gracious that a perfect, all-powerful God would take the time out of his day to come and commune with us. And then it goes on to say, like, who, who, like, you can't even be in the presence of God, and you have to have clean hands and a pure heart. You can't lift your soul up to vanity. You can't swear deceitfully. I don't know about you guys, but I've been in most of those places. Uh, I don't have clean hands. I've done things that I shouldn't have done, and it's only by the mercy of God that I can be washed clean. And then this next part, I love this part. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Now, when I first, I think I first read this chapter and like really noticed it, I was probably like 15, and I was like, oh, I like that. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors. You know, like reading it in like a preacher voice. <laughs> so I was studying for this, and I was like, I wonder if that means what I think it means. Like if it's actually gates or if it's like, like there was a different word that was used there in the original text and through translation, it, they said gates, but they meant like a host of people, you know, things like that. So I did some research. It is gates. So gates, doors, straight up. It's just gates and doors. <laughs> so funny how the psalmist would say, open gates, open doors. He commanded an inanimate object to open for the presence of God, because God's not going to come into any place that is not open to him. So, I brought something. I brought a rock. And I was thinking about this yesterday, and I was like, I need to get a rock for this and bring an actual rock to church. And then I was like, I have no idea where to find a rock. So, I was going to, I looked in our backyard. There was no rocks, obviously. I looked in the front yard, no rocks. Um, yeah, I was expecting there to be rocks because <laughs> I'm from the desert. So I was like, well, you know, surely there will be some rocks at the church. So I pull out of the driveway and I start and I look and there's like a garden bed in the front of the house. And I stopped and I was like, that rock. And I jumped out of my car and grabbed it. So here's the rock. It's not very special. It's not very pretty, which is perfect for the situation. So um, before we continue, I do want to read Psalms 144 verse 15, and it says, happy is the people that is such, 
that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. And I just thought that was interesting. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. So worship is not always the easiest thing to do. You know, it's important, but sometimes it can be a real struggle to worship. Like when you're down in the dumps, the last thing you want to be saying is, oh, oh, glory to God. You're like, God, get me out of this now. You know, like you can be in the lowest point and the like won't even cross your mind. Like, why would I worship right now? Why would I worship a God who allowed me to get to this place? You know, I'm in the dumps. Why? It's not that important. It is so important. Sometimes the most important places to worship is when you're at the lowest. Because worship is what can not only... Okay, sometimes worship brings you out of your situation. Sometimes what's happening is a mental struggle, and worship can be the catalyst to shift what's going on in your life. But sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes worship is for the purpose of encouraging yourself in the Lord and to bring your mental state to where it needs to be so that you can get out of where you are. So a rock. This rock is real sturdy, it's real ugly, and I cannot go through it, right? It's stubborn, and it is in my way. So sometimes we can feel like this rock, or a bigger rock, can just be like dropped in our path. I remember I was on a trip with my family couple years ago and we were going around the southwest visiting national parks and I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Zion National Park well there's all these like hiking trails that go through rivers like up rivers and it's absolutely amazing so we were going to go to Zion and then we found out which how ironic is it that it was Zion like that's so funny but there was a boulder the size of a house at the entrance of the national park and you could not get through because someone was going to have to come in with like things and break the boulder so that they could get it out like this boulder was not going anywhere literally the size of the house so we did not get to go to zion that day but we can have you know a boulder sized rock in our lives that can hinder us from moving forward sometimes we get stuck in one place and we have nowhere to go we're at the lowest of the low we're stuck stuck and we're like god move this rock you know and the bible does say like if we tell mountains to move they'll move but sometimes they don't move and what do you do when the rock doesn't move you know what am i supposed to do if i'm just stuck here and i can't go anywhere i can't move forward i don't want to go back i'm just stuck in this spot so with the rock in our life sometimes the most important thing the most one of the most important things we can do is worship because that can shift our mindset worship is a surprise advance towards the enemy to take back the ground he has stolen that rock that is sitting in your life can be holding you back from what god has promised you just like the walls of jericho the children of israel had been promised this land but all they saw were these giant walls and god said go 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 and they said god we can't they've got an army they've got this giant wall and they got stuck in the desert for 40 years god had promised them this land god said i will go with you if you will go and they said eh, this wall is really big this is a really big rock in my life which 40 years later they decided to obey and they got the promised land the walls came down 
We will get to that later. <laughs> so sometimes worship has to be like ripping off a Band-Aid. You know, you just have to like just do it and get it over with. Not necessarily get it over with, but if you can get that first like pull on it, it'll be so much easier. And you can just allow the, because once, once you start to worship, the presence of God will step in and will give you the strength you need to get through it. So, I've got a whole lot of stuff at the beginning. I think we can skip through some of this. <laughs> That's a lot of information. Okay, so what is praise and what is worship? Praise is a conscious act of giving glory to God. You know, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to sing a song. I'm going to clap my hands. I'm going to say thank you, Jesus. I'm going to bow. There's all these different things you can do. Worship is more of a subconscious and conscious thing that takes place. Worship can be telling somebody about Jesus, telling your testimony to somebody who may have never heard the good news of God. So today we're going to focus on praise. The whole series is about worship. We're going to focus on praise. So there are seven Hebrew words for praise in the Bible, um, specifically in the Old Testament. And we're going to talk about those today. So the first one we're going to talk about is toda. Toda means an extension of the hand in adoration or acceptance. So quite literally this. You can be adoring God. You can be waiting for God to give you something. But it's extending your hands in worship. And it is used for audibly thanking God sacrificially for things not yet received as well as things already at hand. So, Toda, I am having a bad day. And I'm like, you know what? I'm having a really bad day. I don't know how I'm going to get through this day. You know, feeling like David a little bit, stuck in a cave. I'm like, God, go ahead and take me home now. <laughs> I'm done. It's when you lift up your hands and you say, God, I know I'm having a really bad day, but you're still in control and you're going to take care of this situation. That's Toda. So, this is seen in Psalms 50, verse 23. Whoso offereth praise, or toda, glorifieth me. And to him that ordereth his conversation all right, will I show the salvation of God. So, glorifying God, toda. Worshiping him, whether you're having a good day or whether you're having a bad day. That is what he wants. And that's what he wants for glorification. In Mark, chapter 2, uh, I don't remember. I didn't write it down. In Mark, the widow with two mites, she, all she has, she goes looking for an offering to take to the tabernacle, and all she can find is two mites. This is all she has left. And the parable Jesus tells is that what she gives is so much greater than the multitudes that other people could give because she gave everything she had without knowing whether God was going to provide her next meal the next day or if she was going to lay down and die of starvation. She did not know, but she knew who was worthy of this offering, and she gave it sacrificially. That is Toda. That is worshiping in spite of your circumstance, in spite of what's going on, whether God delivers you or not, that is worship. The next one we're going to talk about is Yada. Yada is a similar principle to Toda, but is joyful for all God has done. So this is also extending your hands and arms in worship, but it's saying... It's kind of, okay, got this rock in front of you, right? Looking away from the rock, 
looking back at all the things God has done for you and thanking him for everything else he's done, whether he moves the rock or not. Look at all the things my God has done, you know? Don't look at the situation I'm facing right now. This is worship. This is yada because it's praise for what he's already done and all the things you've seen him do. We see this in Psalms chapter 107, verse 15. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. We see it again in Psalm 63, 4. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. So blessed there is Yada. I will bless thee no matter what I'm experiencing right now. Look at what he's done already. In Exodus chapter 14, we see Moses and the children of Israel going up against the Amalekites, I believe. And God tells Moses, keep your hands up. No matter what happens, keep your hands up. And every time your hands stay up, you're going to win the battle. But if you put your hands down, you're going to lose. So Moses is doing it on his own. So I'm starting getting tired. And he starts to slowly put him down. And all of a sudden, the Israelites are losing the battle. So Aaron and Joshua, her? Aaron and his buddy, <laughs> Moses' other right-hand man, they come up and they're like, Moses, you can't put your arms down. And they hold Moses' arms up for him. He's, you know, he might be limp, but his arms are up and they're still winning the battle. And sometimes that's what it looks like in the church. You know, we got to keep our hands up for the victory. And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that can be the hardest thing we experience. And that's why we have a church body that's there to say, whoa, don't put your arms down. You got to keep your arms up. We got to win this battle. We're going to get through this. The next thing we're going to look at is zamar. Zamar means to pluck the strings of an instrument, to sing, a musical word which is largely involved with joyful expression of music with instruments. So, music. Music is one of my favorite things to talk about because I heard one preacher describe it as the only thing on earth that was not intended for earth. Music was designed in heaven for the glory of God. Did you guys know Lucifer was a worship leader? Lucifer's job was to bring glory to God and to exalt God. And then he let that pride get in the way. And that is what ultimately became his destruction. And so classic Satan being Satan is using the same tactics he's always been using. He loves to use music to separate us from the presence of God. Because music is so powerful and we so often just see as, oh, you know, this is just like one song. I really like the beat. What you guys don't know, or you might know, is music can be a portal into the supernatural real quick. That's why God says, you know, worship and I'll inhabit the praises of my people. Because when you start to worship and when you start to sing, that's going to entertain a presence. Whatever you're singing is going to entertain a presence. It matters what presence you're entertaining with your music. So 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 9 says, Sing unto him, sing psalms unto him, talk ye of all his wondrous works. That is where we see Zamar sing and worship and praise him. So number four is halal. Halal means to praise, to boast, to show, to rave, celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. So, this is so funny. I love that the Bible is like, be a fool for God, you know? Like, it's okay to look stupid. You know, I mean, I have never, 
been, <laughs> I have never been in a club, okay? A little bit about me. But let me tell you about my, I believe she was my great, great grandmother on my mom's side. She loved to dance. And that was like her thing. She also prostituted women out. So that's not so great. But she would go to the clubs and to the bars every night. And she loved to dance. And when God got a hold of her, a lot of people would say, oh, well, I'm not going to dance anymore because I used to do this in clubs. She said, I love to dance. And I'm not going to let the devil steal my joy. So I'm going to dance all my days for Jesus. And that's exactly what she did. Every opportunity she got to be in the presence of God, every time she got to be in church, she danced and danced and danced. And she didn't care what anybody else thought because she wasn't going to let the devil steal her dance. Right? So to act foolishly for God, this can also be seen telling everybody about Jesus, not caring about your reputation. You know, people might be like, oh, here's that Jesus person. <laughs> They're so weird. Whoa, let me tell you what he did. Okay, if you knew the stuff that I'd seen, you'd be praised too. You know, like if you had been where I had been and felt the hand of God reach down and pull you up out of that mess that you got yourself into, you'd be praising him too. So not caring about what people think, just worshiping him anyway, and getting excited for Jesus. 2 Samuel chapter 6. King Saul lost the Ark of the Covenant. He was doing things he wasn't supposed to be doing. The Ark of the Covenant contained, not contained, but it held the presence of God. And so if they didn't have the presence of God, the children of Israel were just regular people. Like they didn't have anything going for them. The only thing they had was God. And so often the whole testament was the children of Israel are doing good. They're winning battles. And then they fall into idolatry. And then they're captured. And then they're enslaved. And then God has to send someone to pick them up. And then they're free. And then they're winning the battles. And then they fall into idolatry. And then they're enslaved. And it's just the whole Old Testament over and over. And I mean, for a long time, I was like, why are they so dumb? Like, why don't you get it? But like, we're still the same. We're still people, you know, I do the same thing all the time. So, so King Saul lost the Ark of the Covenant and allowed the children of Israel to be digging into things they weren't supposed to be digging into. So David steps in as king and David gets the Ark of the Covenant back, right? And when he comes back, every six steps, he's dancing the whole way back to Israel because he's like, we got the presence of God back, woo! And like, that meant everything. That meant life. That meant victory. That meant power. Everything was in the presence of God for them. And if they didn't have that, they had nothing. So they were all excited, right? And they're bringing it back every six steps. They stop, they slaughter, they sacrifice, and they give glory to God the whole way back. And David is just like acting a fool, right? His clothes are falling off. He's just having a good old time. The children of Israel are following suit. They are dancing. They're worshiping. And there's David's wife, right? She sees him from their castle type thing. And she's like, this idiot, he looks so dumb. Like you're a king, compose yourself, okay? Act like it, right? And David doesn't care. He's like, this is everything. Like without the presence of God, I am nothing. Like I have no power. I'm not a king. I am worthless. And his wife, Michael, is like, so embarrassing. And he, she's completely 
humiliated by David's foolish acts. But what David was doing there is halal. He was worshiping to the point where he didn't care what anybody else thought. He didn't care if people thought he was ridiculous. He didn't care if people thought he was silly. If he was acting stupid for a king, he didn't care. So the next one is Baruch or Barak. This one means to kneel down, to bless God as an act of adoration. So kneeling in the presence of God. When you kneel, you show humility, you show honor, and you show respect. So bowing down in the presence of God is something very, how do I explain it? Like in olden times when we had more kings and queens ruling the world, you didn't even go in to see the king without being invited or risking death. And when you did, you didn't make eye contact and you got down on your knees and you were like, please have mercy on me. Don't kill me. I have some, like a question or something. So this is something that is very similar to that. Reverence for a king. Reverence for the power that God holds over your life. So we see this in Psalms chapter 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That word blessed there is Baruch. And it means to reverence God. I will honor God all the days of my life. I will be humble before you. I will respect you. I will adore you. And I will bow before you. In Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 5, Abram encounters God and the presence of his holiness drives him to his knees. So this was... Abraham is like the father of the faith, right? He's like the first one who got to experience the true presence of God. And Abram is like, I don't know what to do. And it's so powerful and so overwhelming that Abram just like crashes to his knees and he's on his face. Oh my gosh. He's on his face and he's like, I can't even look. Like, I don't even want to look because this is so scary and so overwhelming that I don't know what to do. And in that moment, that's where Abram becomes Abraham. And it becomes the man that we know today, the father of the faith, the father of many nations. Because in that secret place of worship, that is where God can transform you. This type of worship and this type of praise is not something that typically happens in front of everybody. It's not a show. It's not like, oh, look how holy I am. Oh, yes, God. You know, it's not like a display like, wow, look at me. It's when you're like, the presence of God rushes in and you're like, don't look at me. Oh my gosh. And it's so overwhelming that you can't even control your own body. You're just driven to your knees. This is something so powerful that cannot be replaced or replicated. We like to get excited in church. You know, I mean, exercise gives you endorphins. And when you're moving around, you get those endorphins rushing and you're like, whoa, this feels good, right? Worship is addictive, okay? But this type of worship is different. It doesn't give you that same chemical high that other types of worship might give you. This type of worship is revering and it's quiet and it's solemn. And we like to get caught up in that worship that's like, go, 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 woo! And we miss out on the quiet, still voice of God that's saying, listen to me, I'm trying to change you. You know, and it's in that type of worship. It's in Baruch that we can have that close, personal, personal, intimate experience with God. 
The next one, speaking of shouting and getting loud, is Shabbat. Shabbat is my favorite type of worship, okay? <laughs> because it's one of those exciting bounce around ones. So Shabbat means to shout, to address in a loud tone, to command, and to triumph. Shabbat isn't just yelling. Shabbat is declaring and commanding. So when you shout over your situation, you're like, no, stop. This is what's happening in Psalms 24 when they say, lift up your head, O ye gates. Open up doors. They're Shabbat. And they're commanding victory in their situation. They're commanding triumph in their situation. Shabbat is powerful. Shabbat also drowns out the noise of the enemy and it lets his camp know who's in control and it lets his camp know that today i woke up and i'm choosing war okay yeah you know what i think i'm done i got up and i'm feeling good let's go right and it's in advance you're like no i'm done with what you're trying to do i'm coming in and i'm stopping you running at them and charging at them and declaring war so um, it is a public declaration of faith. Zach, can I have your help for a second? This is my favorite demonstration, right? I taught this in Sunday school when I lived in New Mexico. And, okay, so Shabak is really good for drowning out noise, right? So um, sometimes noise comes from your friends. Sometimes noise comes from your family. And sometimes it sounds like gossip. Okay, I just need you to start talking smack about anyone or anything. Right, just come on. Give it to me. Anything. Come on. Yeah, I, I normally have things to say, but, like, it's hard to, like... Just start talking. It's, it's okay. It's talk smack when, when it's, like, on, on demand. <laughs> Please talk about Lauren. <laughs> okay, give it to me. Right? So. No. Hallelujah! Okay? That shut him up real quick, right? So sometimes, you can sit down now. I'm sorry. The first time I did that, the lady did not know what was happening. She was my Sunday school assistant, and I screamed at her. She was like, <laughs> and it was so funny. But that is a really good way of shutting up the enemy. You know, when the enemy is whispering in your ears, like, you're no good. You're worthless. I don't know why anyone would choose you. No one loves you. God doesn't care about the situation you're in. Just scream. Literally anything. Like you can scream hallelujah. You can literally just scream and shut him up real quick. You know, scare him a little bit. It's okay. He's, he'll be fine. You know, just like give him a good like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. This is where I wanted to talk about Jericho. The classic scene of Shabbat, right? So the children of Israel have been in the desert for 40 years, and God had told them, go take the land. It's yours. That's the promised land. And they were like, oh, God, there's giants in the land. I'm scared. And there's a couple, like, of the spies that are like, we can take them. Like, we got this. We got the power of God on our side. And all the children of Israel, all the Israelites, are like, oh, no, like, we'll die. They'll wipe us out. So 40 years later, they're stuck in the desert with nothing but manna. manna and God's like, it's time. And they're like, ooh, it's time. The older generation has died off because 
they lost their opportunity to go into the presence of the, or into the promised land. God gave it to them, and they didn't take it. So he was like, fine, the next generation will do it. They'll take it. So this next generation has risen up, and they are ready to take the promised land. God says it's time. And they're like, what do you want us to do, God? Like, we're ready. Let's go. We've been training. We're ready to take them. And God says, I want you to walk around the walls. And I'm sure as I'm living, Joshua's like, what? Like, we're ready for battle. We could just go in and just like, you know? And God's like, walk around the walls. For six days, you're going to walk around the city one time every day for six days. And they're like, okay, fine. So they're like, you know what? God said to do it. He's going to do it. Like, I'm believing. I'm trusting the process because, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to work. But he said it'll work, so we're going to go with it. So I don't know if you guys have seen the VeggieTales version of this story. I feel like it was such a good, like, replica of what actually happened because there's their army of, like, peas are on top of the walls, and they're throwing slushies at them. And, you know, that's how this wall was formed for their military to be on top of them, on top of it, to like as a watchtower. So I'm sure that they're out there walking around and they're walking and their army's like, you guys look so dumb. Yeah, keep walking. It's not going to do anything. Like, congratulations. You know how to walk. <laughs> right. You know, they're getting flack and they're like, don't don't say anything. Don't even look at them. Just keep walking. Keep your eyes down. Keep walking. So God says, on the seventh day, you're going to go around seven times. So at this time, they have quite literally walked around the walls 13 times. Like at this point, by like the fifth day, they're like, oh, there's that block that's a different color than the rest of them. You know, they're like getting familiar with this wall. Okay. So the seventh day, God says, you're going to walk around and you're going to carry the Ark of the Covenant all the way around. And on the last lap, you're going to stop and you're going to blow the trumpets, and you're going to yell, okay? And so on that last lap, they're going, they're going, and they get there, they stop, they blow the trumpets, and they all just shout, and it's just this, like, roar that rises up over the cities, and then suddenly the walls start shaking, and the walls come down, and some scholars have said that these walls, when they came down, they didn't just come down, but they created ramps, for the children of Israel to go into the city. So when your walls come down, go into the city. Take the promised land that God has appointed for you. And it, like, Shabbat is, okay, so Psalms 47.1. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. That word shout there. So the verse shows us Shabbat. But the word shout there in Hebrew, is ruah. And I, okay, so Zach used to be in the military, and they do things, they're like, hooah, right? And I feel like they just, like, took that, you know? Like, that's, this is our war cry, ruah, you know? And that literally means war cry, okay? So it's not just, like, you're not screaming because you're in pain. You're not screaming because you're scared. You're screaming to let the enemy know I'm coming and I'm winning. This is my victory cry. I'm coming into your camp and I'm taking it. Okay, I'm done. I'm advancing. And the last one is Tehillah. Tehillah means to sing, to shout, to play music, to do what your soul feels. It is a conglomeration of all the different types of praises. 
and it is a substitution for all the praises. So, Psalms 23, I'm sorry, Psalms 22, verse 3 says, Yet thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. The praises right there is Tehillah. So whatever praise that you feel like doing, whatever praise that God is telling you to do, he's going to inhabit that praise. So if he's telling you, go ahead, jump a little bit, go ahead, run around, he's going to inhabit that praise. If he's telling you to clap your hands, he's going to inhabit that praise. If he's telling you to sing, he's going to inhabit that praise. So he inhabits all the different kinds of praises of his people. No matter what type of praise you are coming to God with, he's going to inhabit it. In Isaiah 61, verse 3, it says, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The garment of praise right there is Tehillah. So, not only is, are all these praises good for your soul and good for bringing in the presence of God, but they are to cover you from mourning. They're to cover you when you're in your lowest point. You can call on the name of Jesus. You can praise, and it will deliver you from your situation. So, the spirit of, my, of praise might look different from person to person, from moment to moment, but what it gives us is the strength when we are lacking. There will not always be someone to help you up. Even though... The purpose of the church is to encourage each other. Sometimes it doesn't happen, you know? Sometimes you're in your lowest point and you're like, why does nobody care? Like, why? Where's my church family? Why aren't they helping me out? Sometimes you got to hang on for yourself. Your relationship with God is your responsibility and it's brought, and the strength to continue on is through praise and worship. So 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6 says, and David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all his people were grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. So David is hiding, quite literally in hiding, because people are trying to kill him. This happens so many times with David. He's just not the people's favorite. So David is hiding, and he's like, grieved because these people are trying to find him so they can kill him. So he's hiding in the temple, and he tells the priest to bring him the ephod, which, if any of you guys know what an ephod is, it's kind of like a big shawl that's used in Jewish customs for prayer. So he tells the priest, he says, bring me the ephod. I need to pray. And so David, at this point, he's encouraged himself in the Lord, and he's like, you know what? No matter what happens, God's in control. God's going to take care of it. So he prays, and he's like, God, I don't know what to do. Like, these people are trying to kill me. Should I just let them kill me? Do I go out there and just, like, take me now, you know? And God says, no, don't do that. What you're going to do is you're going to get your own army together. So David goes out and finds this army of misfits, all these people who have been pushed aside from society, who have been told, oh, like, you're weird you're crazy, nobody likes you, nobody loves you. These misfits who are just looking to be a part. David finds these people, and they train as an army. He finds 600 of these people who have been cast aside from society. And God says, pursue. 
for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So God says, take your army and run after them because you're not only going to win, but you're going to take back everything that they tried to steal from you. So if David had not encouraged himself in the Lord, then he would have just been down in the dumps, probably crying himself to sleep. You know, oh God, just take me now. Just end me now. I don't want to deal with this anymore. But David was like, okay, we're going to do it. And he praises. And because of that, because of that one moment, that one decision that he had to make, he could have decided to just sit there and, oh, nobody knows the troubles I've seen. Nobody has experienced this but me. I'm so alone. I'm down in the dumps. Because he made that conscious decision to praise and encourage himself in the Lord. He was able to take his army of 600. They went to the river, lost 200 people at the river. They couldn't cross. So him and 400 went, pursued, and overcame, and not only overcame, but took back all the people that had been taken captive by these people who were trying to kill David. So his praise in that one moment saved an entire group of people, not only himself. So you do not know the power that is in your praise. You do not know what's going to happen when you make that one decision, that one catalyst moment of, you know what, I'm not going to let this overtake me. I'm not going to let the devil steal my praise. I'm not going to let this situation in this moment take my joy. I'm going to give it to God. And in that one moment, everything shifts. That one moment can change the entire situation. At one moment, you're on offense, you're on defense, and you go on offense. You can take back everything that's been stolen from you. Everything that the devil tried to stop you from, you can get back. So when you are down, don't let it keep you down. And tell your rock to move. Command your situation. You know what, devil? You've been in my way too long. I'm done. You know, I'm going to give it to God. You can't be in my way any longer. You can command through worship your situation to shift. You can command things in the spiritual realm to get out of your way. You know, I'm done. I'm walking in authority today. And I'm walking in victory. And that one moment can be caused because you decided to worship. Instead of mope around, instead of being defeated by what the devil tried to do, you know, he's so good at it. He's so good at whispering in your ear, oh, you're not good enough. Oh, you're never going to win this. Oh, nobody loves you. Oh, you're worthless. Why would God want you? What can you do for God? He's got plenty of other people. He's got better options, you know. You know what? I'm not good enough. I know I'm not good enough, and I know God has other options, but God wanted me. God chose me when I was at my lowest, when I was worth less than nothing. God said, ooh, look what I can do here. Let me show my glory through this one. So yeah, devil, I'm not good enough. And he still wanted me, okay? So tell your situation to move. Tell your situation to get out of your way. In your dry and barren situation, command your dry desert to bring forth Springs, bring forth life. Yes, command it to move. You don't know what blessing is getting ready to flow through your rock. Because when you tell that rock to open up, something's going to come through. It never stays the same. God never doesn't do anything. He always has something. Whether it be, we always see in the Old Testament, when someone's name is changed, 
It's a catalyst. It's a moment that we see something happen. We see Jacob wrestling with the angel, and he changes his name to Israel. And because of that one moment where he was like, I'm not letting go, he was used to be the father of the nation of Israel. That one moment where Abraham could have run from the presence of God. He could have hid. He didn't have to be the person that God chose. God gave him the option. He was like, do you want to serve me? And Abraham was like, yeah, yeah, I do. And in that moment, because he made the conscious choice to not run, to not cry, to not hide, he made that choice. He became what God had called him to be. He stepped into his eternity. So, David encouraged himself in the Lord, and uh, whoever said that. <laughs> All right, so to close out, we do not need a reason to worship. He already gave us that 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on that cross to redeem us to this day for the sins that we were going to commit. He knew. He knew what we were going to do. He knew the trouble we were going to cause. He knew that when he gave us free will, he was like, you know, some of them won't like me. Some of them won't choose me. And he said, I'm still going to die for them. They're still deserving of my love. I still want to give them love. Whether they choose him or not, whether we choose him or not, he gave us a reason to worship. He gave us a reason to dance because he is so good. He's so merciful and so faithful to us. So we've talked about so many different ways to worship. So to close this out, if y'all could stand with me. I think I'm going to play some music. Woo, that's loud. But let's just take this one song and just worship God. If you want to sing, you can sing. If you want to bow, you can bow. If you want to clap, you can clap. But let's just go ahead and worship him in this song. Jesus. In the presence of my enemies. No matter my situation, I raise the hallelujah. Louder than the unbelief. Jesus. I raise the hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the King is alive. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, yes, thank you, Jesus. Praise the hallelujah. Is everything inside of me? Yes, I'll raise the hallelujah. I 
Just begin to 
to see, what I want to see happen with this series, we're going to do a little bit of instruction and then application in each service. So next week, Rochelle's going to teach a little bit, and then we're going to do a little bit of application. And each week, we're going to do that. And then the final series, the message is called Full Send. <laughs> and we're, we're just going to go cray-cray, okay? So if you don't want to go full cray-cray on, on, on uh, what is that, May 30th. That's, that's the day that we're all together. Oh, it's going to be a good time that day, guys. You're going to want to be there. There's a barbecue. <laughs> Free food. It's going to be a crazy Sunday. <laughs> You're going to want to be there. <laughs> um, we're going to have a good time that day, okay? Um, but the, the idea of it is to, I don't know, I want you to feel confident that it's okay to worship God no matter what's going on. And so I want to close out this service Let's pray. God, I pray you touch each and every one of us, God, that as we're going out through this week, God, that we would feel your presence in our homes, God, in our vehicles, in our places of work, God. I pray that you would touch us, God, that you would move in our lives, that you would touch us, God, that you would touch our families, our coworkers, our friends, our, our connections that we come in contact with, God. I pray that you would touch and move throughout this week, God, that we would feel, God, your presence in our lives in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a great day. Be sure to grab some donuts and coffee before you leave. God bless you. Have an awesome week.